Another year, another infrastructure bill. Will this one finally get the job done? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. There's been a slew of bills debated in Congress over the years to come up with a way to repair and expand the nation's crumbling transportation infrastructure. The latest one has the advantage of actually having been enacted into law. It calls for $1.2 billion in spending, including about $275 billion for passenger and freight transportation networks. But what's the actual impact of the bill on transportation and logistics? What kind of projects will go forward and where? And where's the money coming from? All topics of discussion with my guest today, Matt Comte, Operations Transformation Leader with PwC. We'll delve into the details of the bill, address the hard, cold realities of paying for it, and learn how companies can prepare for the rollout in the years to come. Here's my conversation with Matt Comte. Matt Comte, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Bob, for having me. So, Matt, with the passage of the new infrastructure bill, a half of the approximate $550 billion of new spending is set aside for improving and expanding the nation's passenger and freight transportation networks. So I'd like to hear your opinion as to how this is actually going to translate into actual opportunities and how companies should be preparing for the rollout. What's your general sense there of what we need to do in order to get ready for this money to start flowing and for, for us to see some real impact from the passage of the bill? This is a great question. When I think through the bill itself, like you said, it's $550 million of incremental new Billion. spend. Billion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is a billion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a, a few zeros left off that. 1.2 <laughs> trillion was the total as advertised. The, the delta in those two numbers is between new spending and established programs. And the reason I mentioned that is the established programs is an immediate impact to the, the spending and normal observations we would see in our infrastructure. So those things will continue on at, at speed. And, and I think it's important to say that that's where immediate impact will be seen. That, like you said, the $550 billion that breaks into the new spending, I like to think of it in kind of three categories. First, around just the transportation infrastructure itself. It's about $320 billion that I see in that category. And I'll get to some, some of what's in there. There's, there's also the clean energy transition, I like to say. And then there's a communications bucket. The clean energy component is a 165 billion or so. And then there's about 65 billion in the communications. So let's talk about transportation. When I break transportation out and think of it, it's about 110 billion that's going to bridges, roads, and those components. There's some safety spending in our technology infrastructure. There is some uh, public transit spending of about $39 billion. And then their passenger and rail, about $66 billion. The rest is in resiliency in $50 billion. And then we've got our ports and air and waterways at $42 billion. I think it's important to, to think through kind of where the spending is first. 
and then think about how we can interact. Because I think it's different as you go down those categories. If I am thinking through as someone that's in the logistics and infrastructure business, I'm thinking through of that spending that's in the roads and the infrastructure there. I think that is where we'll see some really good impact in the infrastructure component itself, and then thinking through how we think through transportation corridors. And those corridors could be areas that are leading up to highly congested components. So what is our strategy on warehousing, but it also could go backwards into our ports and thinking about how to optimize our port infrastructure. So there's just a tremendous amount of spending categories in a number of areas that I think each of us can start thinking through how to get engaged and how to get uh, involved. Well, what about the timetable? You alluded to the fact that there are certain projects that are already underway, and that translates into the immediate impact, or as immediate as we can expect under the circumstances. But the other stuff, the new construction, how long a period of time do you expect that to be stretched out over? And when might we see the beginnings of such projects actually begin to take shape? Spending horizons about five years in this bill. The mechanics of getting the money out is existing spending categories and then through grant uh, components. So we'll see a large orientation towards local spending authorities is how the money's going to get out. I think some of the things that we can do first, tremendous amount of planning activities over the next year and working with your local authorities as they think through solutions in a public and, and private partnership, I think are, are very, very important in how we start thinking through how do we interact with some of these spending categories. I think the the new spending that we see, we all know that the pace of, of government uh, and how it works. So I think in this next year, we'll see a lot of studies, we'll see a, a lot of grants and, and applications where we'll start seeing new projects affect us will be in that three, four-year horizon, in my opinion. And that's where we'll see a lot of the, the new infrastructure, whether it's moving corridors, whether it's really material improvements in our port systems, we'll see those in the longer horizon. Now, five years doesn't seem like a very long time against the standpoint of just how long major construction projects take to be authorized and then the actual construction. I mean, the actual construction, some of this stuff could go up to three to five years, depending on how complex the project is. So that's not really a long time to wait, is it, by general standards? Yeah, we, we have a problem that we've been working years and years of creating. I think when we think through size of the investment, although the trillions of dollars we're speaking to is big, when we think about what total impact will that be? If you think about a port, a brand new port in today's standards with state-of-the-art technology is about a $20 billion investment. So when you think about that in scale... <laughs> To the, the funding that was put into the bill, it's about $17 billion that was put in for ports. So that kind of gives you the idea of the level of spending relative to the size of some of these assets. If you think about mm -hmm. the interstate and some of the investments we're putting in the roadways, in order to pour about six lanes of, of interstate with the funds that are in this bill, that gives us about four to 6,000 miles of interstate. So it just puts it into relative terms about the size of the problem that we have relative to the funding that we have. So I think your point's spot on. We have to get started in the right direction. 
we have to get started with an eye towards what is the resilient supply chain and the network of the future? What does that look like? And being able to work publicly and, and privately to define a system that does that. We also have to get started now. So I think that's the good of using the existing programs. But then on some of these new ones, it is about gaining momentum and knowing that this is a, like you said, it's several decade journey as we evolve our transportation system. Are there any concerns or uncertainties about how states will actually choose to spend the money because it falls to them to allocate to the actual projects, right? I do. When I think about spending it relative to the geographies, a good portion of the spending is in the Northeast Corridor, which is highly congested and will get benefit. However, I mean, we've seen this movie play out many, many times when local components have most of the spending authority, the efficiency of the whole system is not optimized. So I believe we will see where there's good, strong public-private partnerships, thinking through the regional effects. I think we'll see better outcomes. I am encouraged about the focus in the Northeast and some of the interconnectivity of that system. Where I and most thinking through where we need to spend the money, I'm thinking away from the corridors, the congested corridors. I'm thinking, how do we improve the connections between our ports and between our congestion? I worry more about how we'll facilitate those connections so that we get a better spend overall for the system. You've alluded a couple of times to the notion of a public-private partnership, and indeed that has been cited as being crucial to the construction of future infrastructure. Because after all, as you point out, this is not enough money to get the job done totally. We're going to need private funds and private cooperation as well. But I'm wondering, with respect to this so-called public-private partnership, are there models from the past that we can draw on? I mean, what are those things going to look like? Is it just kind of a greenfield concept that we have to work our way through? Or have there been previous successful models of that kind that we can draw on in order to go forward with this? I think there's there's examples of where we come together and, and solve bigger problems. I look towards some of what we've done in our healthcare and some of the innovation where we have brought uh, digital and technology in to solve some of the information and sharing and efficiency as we perfect our healthcare system. I think it's a similar when we think about our large manufacturers. So you, you think some of your big super manufacturers, you think about your super retailers, those players in the market have tremendous spend and they're tremendous consumers of transportation networks. They cross multi-state lines. So I think some of our, our largest corporations in the ecosystem have a strong play. There's advisors like PwC and myself that work alongside these providers, thinking through how to solve these problems through digital, through planning, through better execution processes. And all of this overlays into the jurisdictions. And I think the model of coming together both regionally <laughs> Uh, from a state by state and locally is the model that we want to, to tailor. And it's very much played off what we see in healthcare and other industries. So it, it can be done. I believe it starts with leadership, both at the federal level, some of the large corporations that are willing to come together and have the yeah. conversation. Well, to get back to transportation for a moment, to the extent that private funds will be involved in supplementing the public funds from the infrastructure bill toward, let's say, the construction of highways, bridges, roads of any kind, 
the private sector is going to want to get a return on their investment, on their expenditures at some point. Might we see the possibility or the necessity of tolling of other types of access charges that the public is going to have to pay going forward in order to compensate the private sector portion of the investment? I think we'll see some creativity in new funding programs. When we look at this bill, 50% of it is funded. The other 50% is coming from deficit spending at this moment. I believe we will see increased port fees. I believe we'll see increased interstate fees to offset the innovation. But also as we become more efficient, I think there's some offsets there as well as the whole system moves to a more of a clean energy, carbon optimized. Now, what that's going to look like, I don't know that any of us know exactly. But I, I think it is logical to conclude that we will see additional fees, whether it's in what we have on the truck or what we're transporting through the vehicle. And where that goes geographically, we'll, we'll see more public revenue type, type of levers there. Where we get to more of a base where we, we can't anticipate what that looks like is what does a, a new carbon world look like? What are the carbon reporting and standards and what type of market that we see in carbon? That is what comes in and really offsets the game and how we would see the funds flowing from fees into different choices that we make as we choose one transportation mode or another as we choose a material input between one or another. Yeah, that's interesting because my understanding is that PwC foresees four major areas of impact, modernize, secure, fund new infrastructure, and what you were just talking about, decarbonize. But you're saying that the details yep. of the car decarbonize aspect aren't quite clear yet, and I'm just wondering to what extent are we going to have to tie that to environmental concepts like increased use of electric vehicles, reliance on so-called smart highways, stuff like that. Will that be folded in of necessity into this going forward? Will we have to take that kind of stuff into account? Yeah, I believe so. $165 billion of this bill is focused towards clean energy spending. We'll mm -hmm. see improvement of the electric infrastructure. We'll see money going into EV vehicles themselves and helping remediate the environment that we found ourselves in some of the other choices that we've made. So it's absolutely coming. We are seeing more and more innovation in both how we manufacture vehicles, the sustainability of the battery and the cost of the battery and how we sustain that, and then the infrastructure that we would have to use in order to shift our usage. We also see that we still have natural gas components that are lower carbon that uh, we believe we'll continue to see as well as a transition. So the infrastructure and the carbon, to your point, we don't know where it's going fully. We can see the trade winds blowing, and we know that as we go over time, more and more pressure will be put on each of us as we run our enterprises, either to report and be stewards of carbon, or we will be in systems that support the transition and encourage us economically to do that. But do you see political battles forming in the future over interests that say, if you increase the size and scope of, say, interstate highways, all you're doing is encouraging more trucks and more pollution, and therefore we shouldn't be doing that. We should be funneling the money towards something else. Are we going to be having battles over, over that kind of stuff between public interest groups and the like, or do you think it'll be smoother than that? I think in the foreseeable future, we will continue to see battles that are waging and sometimes in conflict with each other. 
as you point out. We can criticize some of the large retailers on their usage of different modes of transportation. The same people that are criticizing them are the ones that are going out to their door and picking up the boxes with their brands on it. There's a mix in our need and desire to consume and to do that in a responsible way. Will we find uh, the answers in the long term? I believe we will. I think in the short term, the interest groups and the different perspectives are definitely not leading to a productive and a measured and a, a highly paced progression towards where we need to be. I do see a continued clash. I think the tone that we see in our government and our federal situation is, is sometimes not helpful. And I, I believe it's us that care about supply chain and care about our businesses and enterprises. We have an obligation to change the tone of that and not add to some of the discourse that we see, but to help point our public officials and the people we get to work with in public and private partnership towards a productive conversation that solves for all. What is the long-term vision of this bill, however? Are you optimistic? Is it possible that if this is executed exactly as planned, if the money is spent where it needs to be spent, if our transportation infrastructure communication system is brought up to modern standards in an environmentally responsible way, might it be possible that in future we will not be experiencing the type of horrible supply chain congestions we are experiencing today? Might this be the solution to that, or am I being overly simplistic in hoping that? <laughs> it's a start. When I read the bill, I was encouraged by the amount of spending on planning and innovation. Now, it doesn't come out in the big numbers that we went through earlier, because the, the big numbers are associated to large spend profiles and input costs. Starting off correctly, and the studies around where people are flowing, the future of consumption, the modernization of transportation planning, different digital innovations to help us think through trends and capacity and flows. So there's really an acknowledgement in this bill that we have to start with the right plan. And that gives mm -hmm. me hope that if we can establish the right plan that takes into account the physics and the realities of our world and the consumerism that we have and the need to provide products with the need to balance the kind of the future of the supply chain resiliency and the clean energy that we have to transition to. We start out with really good plans that balance the interest. I believe that this is a great down payment and I'm very in encouraged and positive of what we could achieve together. If we start off this bill with not a balance and the continuation and the pace that we need to invest both on the infrastructure and the policy side, I think it could end in what we've seen in the past. What I've seen so far is encouraging. We're having good conversation with the, the large retailers, the large providers, the large manufacturers. I believe we've moved past greenwashing. I believe we're actually having productive conversation about what it's going to take to change the world. I'm going to take that as an encouraging statement. Matt Conti of PwC, thank you so much for joining me these few minutes to talk about the implications of the infrastructure bill, how it might actually materialize, and the hope for how it might solve some of the problems that we're experiencing today. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, Bob. That was my conversation with Matt Conti of PwC talking about the impacts of the infrastructure bill. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com. 
where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time. <laughs>